everybody, the Complex PTSD Guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. Today I wanted to talk about the importance of thinking ahead, or having forethought, and the way this relates to complex PTSD is I think a lot of times when you have a lot of that stress, especially in childhood from trauma, it really impacts that ability to think ahead. I've talked about this before in relation to long-term thinking and short-term thinking um, and really just kind of living out of stress or maybe fear of things. Um, But I think forethought is a good word for this. So the definition of forethought is careful consideration of what will be necessary or may happen in the future. So it's basically planning, like planning ahead. We're just thinking ahead, um, kind of like in a game of chess, you know, you got to be strategic. But I want to give examples of ways that I think are pretty common for when maybe we aren't being, like when we aren't thinking ahead. I don't want to say aren't being strategic, but when we aren't thinking ahead, I guess you could say. Um, that's something I've struggled with for years. Um, it's gotten much better, I would say, in the last five years since I've been, since I was diagnosed with complex PTSD, I've kind of realized, you know, why certain things were such a a problem for me. And one of them was that more impulsive thinking. Um, It can affect like relationships, it can affect, you know, your work, it it affects everything. Um, One reason I was inspired to do this podcast, I was recently watching this show, it's a brand new show on Hulu, and it's called The Bear, and one of the actors from a show called Shameless, his name is Jeremy Allen White, he's on. He's the main character of the show, and the show is really good, it's set in Chicago, and it's got a lot of culture in it, like a lot of like, kind of down, I don't know if you'd say downtown, but like city life in Chicago in present day, and what, you know, working in like an average restaurant is kind of like... But the main thing that I noticed, and I don't know if this was the first episode or the second episode, um, but one of the main things I noticed is that the show is a really good example of this. It's a really good example of forethought. And the reason I say this is is because the show is about doing what's right rather than doing what's easy. And I think there's been a lot of instances in my life where I've done what's easy rather than maybe doing what... I just didn't want to do because I didn't want to do it, you know, Um, you know, you take the easy route rather than the more challenging route or what's right. Um, And that's what he does because there's a scene where a guy makes him an offer to sell out the restaurant and he basically took over this restaurant. I think it was his brother's and his brother passed away, but he took over this restaurant and he's, he's having challenges with it when he first starts out and the guy offers to buy him out, like sell out. And the, the young, the guy is like, no, um, and it would be easy to sell out, but he doesn't do that. So he does what's right because his brother gave him the restaurant, but it's called the bear. Um, but that was kind of what inspired me to do this podcast today about forethought. Um, and it's similar to what I talked about recently in another podcast. It reminded me a little bit about, um, related to impulsivity. So like if you're doing a piece of artwork, you know, take your time and put a lot into it and, you know, frame it, hang it on the wall. Like, 
One thing I used to do when I was in art classes, I used to do a lot of artwork and I would do like charcoal or pencil drawings or, you know, whatever type of medium I was using, um, whatever it was. I would do a whole bunch and I wouldn't really preserve them. I would just put them in my, there's like a big bag that you put um, sketches or drawings in. I just called it my art bag. Um, but I, I didn't really like you know, put, I didn't really put the long haul into it. I just, I was very impulsive with it. Um, that was one thing I liked about it is I could just do sketch after sketch. And I, you know, I just didn't, I didn't do it in the long haul way. I was, it was very impulsive. Um, so rather than impulsively wanting to do artwork, um, you know, it would have been better if I had done things that I put a lot of time in and really took a lot of fo more focus and put more effort into them. I did this a couple times and the pieces came out really well and I actually still have those. So that just goes to show, you know, those are the ones that lasted. So in the end, it really is worth it. Um, so just like this show that I was talking about, if you think about it, if he, if he doesn't do what's right or if he sells out, you know, where would that lead him to in the future? So the whole point of the show is he's not selling out. So that was what inspired me. But I wanted to give some things that keep your forethought strong, some examples of things I think that help, you could say, improve your forethought or help improve that long-term kind of thinking. And one of them is cooking large meals or like a casserole. And the reason for that is because it requires multiple ingredients and timing. Um, so one thing I used to cook a lot was a roast and like homemade mashed potatoes and gravy, homemade gravy and you know have people over to eat uh this roast and all these different you know dressings and sides and it, it there's a lot of timing involved in that um another example of something to increase your forethought would be something i mentioned before which would be logic or brain games but specifically chess and the reason i say chess is because it is strategic it's a strategic game i'm going to mention some things in the past that ways that I was not good at strategic type games um, but chess is a really good example of one of those I think a lot of board games actually would be like Monopoly um, another thing um, related to kind of long-term thinking or long-term planning is really getting to know like what you believe and why you believe it so like if you have a position on a certain issue you know is it based on just your feelings or is do you have like a long-term concept of why you believe it like what are the specific reasons why you believe it because i've noticed in my past where i might think something and then someone questions me on it and i might not really have an answer for it and then it makes you think about it like you know have i really thought this out um so another part in connection with that is not being naive to things that are likely misconstrued a lot of this kind of goes back to media and sensationalism. Um, so, you know, if something's just thrown out at you, you know, don't just believe it, obviously. You know, look at what is putting it in front of you, like what's sponsoring it or funding it. Like what is, what's behind it being thrown out there? You know, why is it being thrown out? So those are all examples. Um, well, the first two of ways to increase your forethought. And then the third one getting to know why you believe what you believe like why do you believe it um and then some examples of things that keep my forethought strong that i didn't really do until i was more of a grown adult so i would say my early 
early 30s is when I started to come more into these, maybe even mid-30s. But one of them would be, um, whenever I was a tour guide, I used to help plan these bus tours. And on the bus tours had to be timed out almost to the minute. And they were four or five hours long. And what I mean by the minute is like, this bus would be here from this time frame to this time frame. And it was literally, you know, 410 to 425. And then that bus had to go to another location and be there by 430 until 445. So you were literally timing out these things to the minute. So each um, tour guide's presentation had to be timed out to fit into that. So it was like timing, 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 timing. It was it was super detailed down to the, the minute. Um, so that's one example of that planning, um, you know, having the forethought to plan something like that out because it was, it was intense. Um, and if you get one bus wrong, you know, someone screws up the time frame, it messes all the other buses up because they kind of followed each other. And so you really had to be on the same page with people. Um, again, taking a position on something, we had to do this a lot in philosophy class when I was studying philosophy when I was getting my bachelor's. And so when I was getting my associate degree, philosophy class was was more like a multiple choice quizzes about what we had read. But when you get, when you study philosophy at a bachelor level, we had to take positions. We had to read what the philosopher said, take a position, whether or not we agreed with them or not. And then we had to explain why we agreed with them or not. And then you know, see if your views contradicted them each other. So that's really detailed. Like you weren't just saying, oh yeah, I agree with them. You had to explain why. And then you would study another philosopher to see if your latter view, your earlier view, contradicted the view that you now hold. You know, how do they contradict? And that's really key. Um, you know, because if they contradict, it's like it, it doesn't make sense, you know. Um... And that, I think there's a lot of, well, I think there can be wiggle room in there. Um, But that's just an an example of taking a position on something. That was something that we learned in college and philosophy class. I think that would be also the way you would study it when you study law. Um, You know, studying law would be very similar to that. Um, Another example of things that keep my forethought strong... This is kind of similar to the last one, but looking at both sides of a situation. So this happens a lot, I guess you could say, like in judicial decisions. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. Sort of like opening a Pandora's box. Um, So you don't want to be like impulsive in decisions um, that could open up a Pandora's box. That can be the downside of being impulsive. Um, And again, a lot of this, I think, can kind of go back to if you live under stress, you may tend to be impulsive and you may tend to do things where you say, well, why did I do that? Um, Because you you did it out of stress. That's what I think. Um, But for example, if someone were to say something like, I don't think that this person should be allowed to say these things or what they're saying is offending me. Um, So, okay, let's pretend that the person that is offending you, let's pretend that it was declared that they're not allowed to say those things anymore. So now that that precedent has been set, let's say there's someone who's saying something that you do agree with, and there's someone else who doesn't like what they're saying, but you do agree with it, but now that person is not allowed to say those things anymore either. 
So it goes both ways. And so the original precedent that was set to kind of shut the first person up, now it's shut up someone you do agree with. And that's probably going to upset you, and you played a role in it. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's kind of relates to it. It's that Pandora's box type thing. You know, if you if you stop one thing from happening, you know, what else are you stopping? Or, for example, if you open up something to happen, what else are you opening up? It's that same, same mentality. Um, it's that Pandora's box. You know, you want to think about it in all angles. Um, but I think that's just an example. And maybe that's something that, I just see a lot more um, whenever I watch certain shows or whatever, or read certain articles. Um, And then I wanted to give examples of how I used to be really bad, like really, really bad about my impulsivity, um, or maybe just not, I was really bad about just not having forethought. And this goes back to my teen years. I know your brain, our brains aren't actually developed all the way until we're like, I think 24, 25 or something like that. So, you know, you have to take that into consideration. But in my teens and early 20s, I was really bad, um, specifically at strategy games. So I used to watch a show called The Real World Road Rules Challenge. And I was always confused by that show. Like every single season, um, it was a strategy game, but there was a lot of dirty games in it. Like they played really dirty on that show. Um, And that just wasn't me. Like I wasn't someone who... like played dirty at all and maybe that's part of why I didn't understand the show but it was strategic I mean it was so strategic and that was the point of the show was to be really strategic um, and to play dirty but I used to watch that show to just try to figure out like what it was that they how they knew what to do what they were doing because they all came in knowing exactly exactly the maneuvers to pull in order to get certain people to certain places in the game. And I remember these two people, one was named Coral, and another one was named Mike. And now Mike is like a wrestler, Mike the Miz. Um, But Coral was really good at that game. She was really good. Um, But those two are really close friends, and they they were very good at that strategy, really good at it. Um, And like I said, I was really bad at it. So it always stood out to me, like, why am I not getting this? And it was just that the forethought related to strategy. And it remind, it's very similar to when I was in high school. Um, so in biology class, we had to do lab. Um, and that was completely over my head. Biology, we had to do like lab groups. Um, I also didn't care about it. Like it, it wasn't anything that interested me. And again, I think part of that came from stress. So in my high school years, I was extremely had a lot of like severe depression and major stress and I had just an inability to follow along with what the teacher was doing and I also didn't understand you know following a syllabus I used to just like throw my syllabus away whenever we got that in high school because I didn't know the importance of it it sounds stupid but I didn't learn about that until college Um, because again I just my mind was all over the place because I was stressed out um, and I didn't care about biology but In all reality, I should have been able to just catch on to what was going on. So whenever we would get into our lab groups, um, there'd be like four or five students in a lab group, and we'd go over to the tables and the lab tables and do the little, little charts and the graphs or whatever it was. And I never had a clue as to what was going on. 
But that's another example. And I think part of it was there were so many instructions involved with lab that I just couldn't follow them all. Um, it was just, it was too, too much for me at the time. But that's an example. It's, it's, it's similar to strategy um, in a way, or at least it reminds me of strategy. But biology lab was another one of those examples. And then another thing when I was younger, um, I would say just being kind of a blabbermouth and not really meaning to be a blabbermouth, but I would just kind of say what I was thinking and not really think about it. Um, and that used to get me in trouble at times where like my friend would be like, well, why did you say that? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, well, I didn't know it was anything wrong that I was saying that. Like, I guess I just wasn't thinking ahead about saying certain things. And I'm much, much better about that now. But that goes back to that forethought. You know, I wasn't thinking ahead um, or giving consideration to what would happen in the future. I was just saying stuff. Uh, like, it was always the truth. I wasn't lying about anything. But it was maybe things that I didn't, it wasn't my place to say the truth. Um, you know, it wasn't for me. It wasn't my business, I guess. Um, but I wasn't ever thinking, well, someone's not going to trust me or... They won't want to be around you. My, my thought process was the opposite. You know, if I'm just saying what's the truth, people would want to be around you and they would trust you. And it was just, just the opposite because it wasn't my place. I wasn't understanding like the, the place of it, you know. But I wanted to give a just a little short podcast about this because I think that impulsivity really affects people's lives a lot more, especially if you've grown up with that stress. Um, I think a lot of times we can kind of run with our emotions because things affect us emotionally, I think, a lot heavier. Um, I know they used to affect me a lot heavier because when, you know, if someone was mean to somebody, it would really bother me to see that because I'd be thinking of how hurt that person was going to be, like if a bully was bullying someone. And to me, and maybe to that person being bullied, it wasn't as big of a deal as even it was to me. Because I was thinking so emotionally, because I just had all these heavy thoughts for so long. Um, I think a lot of that, you know, Im impacts us a lot more when we come from this place. But I just wanted to give this about the importance of having that forethought and just kind of taking a breath. And, you know, if you're wanting to say like the first thing on your mind, maybe try not doing that, especially if it tends to get you into situations that you wonder later. You know, you figure out later that you're not happy with it, um, then I would definitely try to kind of hold your tongue at times. Um, that would be my advice, um, just based off my own experience. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.